Welcome to Uncontained, episode 148. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and uh, welcome back from the holidays. Yes, hope everybody had a great Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever holiday it was that you were celebrating, and a great new year. And uh, to kick off the new year, I got a great episode for you. It is Comedian Kabir Sing. You may know him from his show Outsourced Comedy. He was on Gabriel Iglesias's Stand Up Revolution back in season three. And uh, yeah, he's even had his voice on The Family Guy. And we definitely talk about that during this episode. Yeah, he's got some really cool things coming up as well, including. Uh, a new show called Side Hustle on Netflix in the near future. To set the tone and location for this interview, I met up with Kabir at Cobb's Comedy Club before one of his shows. We sat up and talked in the green room, and uh, I really think you'll enjoy this uh, conversation. He's got some great stories and some great advice. So plug in your earbuds, because this is how Kabir Singh lives uncontained. And uh, doing a little Instagram live here. We'll be cutting in and out throughout this interview. I'm here with legendary Bay Area comic. Um, nice. Is that is that too much to say? I like that. All right, you like that? We'll go with legendary Bay Area comic Kabir Singh or Kabizi, right? Yeah, it's Kabir Singh now, but Kabizi's great though. I don't hate on that. All right, is that, like is that an old nickname? Uh, you know, it's like it's weird. Like I got uh, the Kabizi nickname came from high school because I played basketball and they everybody called me Kabizi. But yeah, you know, stand up when I first started it was Kabir Kabizi Singh. We're still using it. Yeah, anything to help set you apart. I'm still using an old nickname of mine from my radio days, which is Static, because you know it makes you more Googleable. We'll just go with that. I love it. You know, so uh, you have some serious credentials going on. You've been a part of Family Guy. You are on uh, Iglesias' yes. uh, new show, uh, Gabriel Comic Rep. Gabriel, not, three, I don't know why I was thinking Enrique. Maybe he just can't get out of my mind. You know, that so now that he has that mole gone. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the Comic Revolution. So, um, now, how long have you been doing stand up to get into some of these accolades? Yeah, so I've been doing, uh, yeah, so I've been doing stand up comedy uh, professionally for about eight years. Okay. Yeah, so about eight years. And then, uh, it's been great, though. Every year has been more and more fun. It's been great. Yeah. All right. Cool, man. So, and the Bay Area is where you got your start. It's actually where I saw you the first time, too. I saw you back probably about, I don't know, four years ago right. or something. With uh, It was a show in San Leandro. It was supposed to be like pretty much an all-Indian uh, stand-up show, and Cody Woods was on that show. Yep. And uh, that was my first introduction into the Bay Area comedy scene right there. So, um. No. Yeah, Cody Woods is a homie. He's one of my favorite comics. We both, uh, one of the first times I ever did a stand-up comedy show, uh, I did an open mic at the San Jose Improv in 2010, and Cody okay. Woods was actually one of the one of the comics on it. And he was, like, way younger than me, and I did my set, and I, I did okay, did all right. It was, like, my fifth time on stage. And then Cody came up and gave me, like, advice. I was like, why the fuck is this eight-year-old telling me what the fuck to do? But, he like, looks young now. Yeah, well, he still looks eight. I was like, every time I see him, I'm like, what the fuck? But Cody's a homie. And, uh, yeah, no, he was uh, – that was actually the first time I ever met Cody was at San Jose Improv that night. Oh, and really? he gave me a lot of great uh, great advice. Yeah, really funny, dude. 
Very cool, very cool. Yeah, he's been on this show twice, so... Uh, Great guy. Yeah. Um, he's been here in the early days and also after after the show had its 100th episode, so that's really cool. Nice. That's stuck with it. Um, now, okay, when you did The Family Guy, what was that like? Did you get to meet like uh, Seth MacFarlane? Or? It was a little interesting. So I did voiceover work, basically. So everything was through a screen. So I never got, like, I never really got to, like, kick it with those guys okay. or anything like that. But it was voiceover work and a couple uh, treatments I sent to them, which was used eventually. So it was kind of okay. cool. Okay, yeah. very cool. So um, which episodes were you in? Well, the main one, yeah, the main one was that one, the uh, the season finale of three years ago, which was uh, Road to India. Yes, um, which was which was a really fun episode. Yeah, that was cool. When I saw that you were a part of that one, I actually had seen that one before. I was like, oh man, where was he? Where was he yeah. in this? Where was he? So, what for people who are listening now? What was your role in that? It was the Indian voices over there where they were talking about the uh, director that was coming to India and doing all that okay. garbage. Yeah. Okay, all right, all right, cool. Do you have any more voice acting aspirations in the future? I think that was a one-off. I think that generally right now I'm just kind of focusing on just stand-up and, uh, you know, acting and stuff like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Okay. Uh, you mentioned acting. What, what, what do you have in the – what do you have uh, with acting going on? Well, I have uh, – I just shot a pilot uh, recently called uh, Side Hustle where I go meet other comedians – uh, that are doing stand-up uh, that have a, a side job, a, yeah. like an actual job to support them. So the whole, uh, I guess the whole theory of the show is that I go meet the guy and then we go to his work uh, and then and then I do it with him and then okay. try to figure out. So um, the pilot episode is a, is a comedian uh, named Jay Rich from Oakland. Okay. Really funny dude. He's a barber yes, in Oakland. Yes. So he had to take me to this barber shop in Oakland, just, just ghetto as shit. <laughs> and then he was just telling me, he's like, all right, well, he's trying to teach me how to do, like, a fade on this dude. Like, this is how you cut hair. And then he, he taught me as well as he could. But then he gave me the, uh, you know, just, just like, he gave me the, like, the rain to do it. And it was terrible. I did a terrible job. But I think that was really the fun <laughs> part of the show because basically I just got to go meet these guys that has a job. I go do it with them. And then we showcase them for 15 minutes of stand-up. Okay. So it's like a 28-minute uh, show. Okay, know. so, yeah, I actually had Sam Marcoux on my show, and he was, like, talking a Producer, little bit okay. about this uh, concept. And the main concept of it, is it true that you haven't had a side job, or your whole career has just been stand-up? You haven't had to do the whole haircutting or yeah. gas station attendant or something like that? Yeah, yeah, so I actually never, uh, never had a... When I was in high school, I was a telemarketer for a little bit. I like dabbled, but after high school, um, you know, I was in college and then I just fell in love with stand up and then I just went on with that. Really? That's yeah. The first, yeah. No, go ahead. I made like $8 the first four years, but, uh, <laughs> you know, but after that, you know, if you just kind of build and then you can eventually make a living on this, if you, you know, collect a couple of TV credits and just, yeah. uh, be good. So, uh, you know, yeah. So never really had to, like, I was trying to perfect the art of stand up or trying to do really good at it. Uh, rather than, you know, do it like a side job, because I really didn't need to get a job, because, you know, I was just living in my mom's place and shit like that. Okay, so I was, was like, going to ask, like, how did you manage to do that after college, making, like, $8 in the first year? Yeah, no, uh, I just, you know, <laughs> I was just uh, grinding, uh, and uh, I was at my mom's uh, apartment in uh, Fremont for the first, like, three, four years, and when I started making money, then, you know... After that, I was able to, you know, move to LA and stuff like that and get my shit together. Yeah. So, what was the turning point? Like to like Stand Up Revolution, Gabriel Iglesias, uh, Comedy Central. That you know, I was already somewhat headlining. So it was like three years in, and then my fourth year, I was already um, 
you know, headlining off nights, doing pretty good, 45 minutes, doing well. Yeah. And then uh, I did a show at the um, Magic uh, and Comedy Club over in Hermosa Beach, and Gabriel Glaciers were there. Uh, saw me, you know, I did really well, and then he immediately put me on his Stand-Up Revolution, which was running on Comedy Central, which is season three. Comic, the first comic, season premiere, I was on yeah. all the commercials, and then right after that, Got a good agent, got a good manager, and I was able to headline from there. And then, all right. Okay. All right. Very cool, man. So with the path that you've taken, only being able to do stand-up and getting into doing this new project, trying to bring it back to that, talk a little bit more about it. Do you actually, in some weird way, miss not of having had a side job? No. <laughs> all right i was just wondering if there was some sick twisted no, side to you got a side job i got friends that uh even other comedians that you know my feature and host wherever where i i tour i bring the same four or five people and all of them have uh regular jobs and it just sounds terrible i i can second that right there the i could genuinely tell you the reason why i do stand-up comedy so i i just i don't have to wake up earlier just do shit you know it's like it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's a day in the life of kabir like uh, it just depends, you know. If I'm on the road, um, I'll generally just uh, if I'm if I'm touring. Like I was just in Canada for like a month and a half. It was great, you know. You just wake up, um, you know, hang out, eat, and then I try to write like maybe forty five minutes a day. Okay. Figure it out. Try to get your forty five minutes. It just depends what show you have. If you're headlining a weekend at a comedy club, then you could be a little bit more liberal with your material. You could kind of work on other stuff. But when you're doing uh, a tour in another country where it's like theaters and stuff like that. Yeah. People have seen your stuff on uh, Canadian TV. That's when you have to kind of figure out like, okay, what kind of new dynamic we're going to use in my set? What kind of jokes that I just wrote recently to bang it out? So a lot of it is going to be just kind of preparing for the show and trying to get as much rest as possible. And also enjoying the city that you're in because you get to travel. That's one of the bonuses. Yeah. Of being, you know, you get to go everywhere. And, uh, you know, you try to... You know, hang out in that city, just see a little bit of it, uh, take a day out for that. But the rest of it is just preparing for the shows. Okay, cool. Right now, we're here in San Francisco at uh, Cobb's Comedy Club. You're actually getting ready to go up on stage a little bit later. But no no offense to any of the other locations, but what would be uh, one of your favorite spots that you've got to travel to and do comedy? Um, favorite spot to do stand-up? Recently, i got to be honest with you, I think uh, I just headlined the Philly Punchline last month, which was... I guess, uh, what was it? Uh, I guess it was October or November. Did that, that was my favorite spot. It okay. was great. We, we sold out a show on a Saturday. It was great. And then we got to hang out in Philly for two days. It was great. Great food. Got to hang out and stuff like that. You know? Was Philly a rowdy crowd? Like, was it like after the Super Bowl? Like, did they run through, like, tearing down? Like, no, no. It was just a really. Comedy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, you know, it was, uh, on and off season for them, but uh, like <laughs> like this season, but uh, yeah, no, it was great. You know, we just uh, we did a great show. We got to eat great food. Got to go, uh, you know, see all of the um, the history of Philly and the history of America. Which that was a really fun fun event. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, there's a lot of history there, man. A lot of history in Philly. Actually, on uh, I I think it was one of Anthony Bourdain's shows. Like I I learned something from the Philly episode on what uh. Where the term beaver came for, referring to um, a woman's uh, private parts. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, they made merkins out of beaver pelts. Jeez. Like, basically, vagina toupees. That was a great show, by the way. It, Anthony Bourdain. It was. I miss that dude. I miss that dude. He was, like, so relatable. He was, like, yeah. real. Like, Guy Fieri or whatever. He's just, like, 
a character, but what was that guy going through? Jesus, dude, I don't, I don't know. He's still going through it. I think some dives and diners and coke. Uh, (laughs) lots of it man lots of it but uh yeah i don't know uh anthony bourdain i don't know about you but he was like the only food guy that i'd be like i want to go get a drink with that guy and just hear what he has to say right right yeah so so what what's next for you what's what's your aspirations uh coming up here i know you're focusing on stand-up comedy but where what's what's coming up uh so next year i uh i'm gonna be doing a couple things, uh, you know, Side Hustle number one is going to air on something, hopefully Netflix or Amazon Prime. Okay. Um, and then I'm taping for three different networks next year. Um, so really that and touring, I mean, it's just basically getting as many dates as you can and getting on TV as much as possible. Um, but yeah, I got like a couple things going on that I can't really like expose but like there's damn non-disclosure yeah. agreements. Well, I don't think even inside that. I think they just told me to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, uh, listen, none of this is for you know 100 percent yet. Don't talk about it. But uh, okay, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, so there's like three or four things that I'm working on right now. But side hustle for sure. Um, outsource comedy tour, which I've been doing for about five or six years. We're going to be taping a special for that, which will again hopefully air on one of the uh, one of the networks. We're doing that in uh, April in Los Angeles. Okay. Other than that, just basically just going back to LA January, February, March, hitting up pilot season and just trying to get some good stuff. Yeah. Right, very cool, man. So I know you have to go get on stage here before too long. So I'm going to move this interview along here and jump to my questions here. Uh, yeah. So real quick for the people on my Instagram, uh, what is your Instagram handle? Uh, mine is uh, Kabizi Comic. Kabizi Comic. All right. So check him out on his Very hacky. I didn't pick the name, by the way. Add him, follow him, and don't make fun of the name that he doesn't like. Don't do it. You know, Uh, it already hurts me. He's a comic. He'll put you in your place. I'll tell you that shit. All right. Uh, Yeah, might might turn this back on a little bit later, but thank you for tuning here on Instagram. Uh, Check out the podcast as it comes out. Um, I'll I'll keep you posted on when that's going to happen, too, but we're going to move on. All right. So. I have the second part of the show, as I said, is kind of designed to help uh, comics or people in the entertainment industry. So what advice would you give to a comic that is like working on getting started out and maybe trying to take that first or that next step? Yeah, uh, first step would be it, it's actually quite simple. You know, uh, your first step, you really should focus on getting a very tight, very good six minutes. Uh, okay. You know, you just got to go up there and hit up as many mics as you can. Come up with a couple ideas, uh, a couple punchlines, a couple jokes that where you could actually just do six minutes of where people could, you know, laugh and have a good time with. Okay. But I also don't think there's a lot of comics that will come up with the first six minutes and then try to work on their 30 or 25 early. Yeah. Which I I think is a terrible idea. Um, You really want to perfect your six minutes by going, hitting up all the open mics, all the mics, all the stage time you can do wherever you are. Okay. Um, repeat the same six, get it together, get it tight. And then, uh, you know, just go out there and, you know, try to get booked on some shows and then you can work on your material later. Yeah. Okay. Work hard, hit up as many mics as you can and, uh, take feedback from your friends. You know, I think the best feedback is from your friends. Um, yeah. you know, you don't get a lot of great feedback from strangers that you don't, you never met in an audience, you know, they don't know you. So like, if you bring your friends, mostly audiences will actually be pretty polite to you afterwards too. 
Yeah, like, yeah, okay. yeah you were funny, man. Yeah, exactly. no, nobody wants to really go, oh, yeah. unless they're extremely drunk, stand up and be like, you suck. Yeah. But if they're going to do that, they'll do that during the show. Even after the show, <laughs> even if you bomb, they'll be like, you did great. Good work. I'm like, you know, but just, you know, bring a couple of your friends that you know, uh, watch them do your set, just develop, yeah. you know. Stage time is important. Get as much, uh, you know, despite the quality of stage time, which you're going to get in the beginning. Yeah. Just get as much of that as possible. You know? So, like, say you have that six minutes tight. Like, what's the next step from there? Like, what, what's to getting a getting a spot, a book spot on a show from an open mic? How do you make that transition? You know, it's just difficult to, uh, you know, it's it's difficult to say because every comedy club has their own rules and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the way I got into it, really, just to get my first piece of work was in the Bay Area when probably did the same thing. Got my 11 or 12 minutes good together. Uh, I did Rooster Teeth Feathers. Com- comedy competitions at these comedy clubs are actually a really good way to get exposed okay. by the people that book it. Whether if you win or not, they at least get to see you and other of your peers see you and you could get yeah. kind of booked on their shows. <clears throat> but for me, I did Roosters about like uh, a year and a month in. Went there, did really well. I was ready to go. I practiced for like eight months straight. Had that, you know, I repeated that eight to 12 minutes repeatedly. Yeah. It was solid. Ended up winning that. And then I got my first week at Rooster Teeth Feathers. And then after that, you just kind of build upon that. Then you, you know, you email improv or, um, you know, any other clubs in the area and be like, you know, uh, I'm passed over here. What does it take to get passed over there? They'll tell you what to do. Sometimes it's easy. It's just like, hey, come drop a set on this Thursday show. We'll check you out. Okay. It just varies. You just have to. The main thing is you have to have eight to 12 minutes of kill before, okay. before people watch you. And then when you get that opportunity, you just shell it out. You know, get good at that and then, you know, work on contacting other clubs and figuring it out. All right, very cool. That's that's some really good advice right there, man. Yeah. And speaking in comedy competitions, I saw something that was kind of impressive that you accomplished. It was like weren't it was like you were the first person to win like the San Francisco uh, comedy competition like two times in a row. No, and, oh, it's the, the all five of them, right? Yeah. That's, so it's weird because like the San Francisco International Comedy Competition has like twelve rounds. Okay. So it was the first one to ever come in first all twelve rounds from. Round one, two, and three. Twelve okay. shows, sorry. Twelve shows in three rounds. So the first one to do that, coming first, first, and first. And then I think Miles Weber, who's another comedian, actually did that like two years later. So my record Copying was... Copying you and shit? Yeah. It was like <laughs> 34 years of untapped territory, and I nail it, and this other motherfucker, Miles Weber, fuck you if you're listening to this. And then he breaks the record two like years later. I'm like, ah, Miles shit. Weber, I'll interview you. Yeah, you should. <laughs> if you want to copy Kabir again, yeah, you should. Uh, come on the show. He's one of the funniest comics I know, but, <laughs> but uh, especially in the finals, so there's five shows in the finals, and it's like implausible for anybody not to come and like to variate. There's five comics. And everybody's like murdering it. Okay. So they're coming first off five times, which is a feat that him and him and I did, which was uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And just to see the names that uh, were listed of comics that have competed in it and that haven't done that, like including like yeah. Robin Williams, uh, to say one of them. Also, it's competition. Uh, like in the eighties, Robin Williams. I mean, like it's a different. It's a different year, yeah. of course. You weren't co- just to clear it up. You weren't competing against Robin Williams, right? But. Just the people who haven't done that in the past. That's, yeah. It's pretty There were some cool. rounds where it was like Sinbad, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, Ellen. <laughs> like, it was just like these Mark Curry. You know, like, it's going to be tough to beat all three of these guys. Four yeah. Times in a row. So, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, the 80s was definitely the prime of that competition. Yeah. But it was still uh, an honor winning that, yeah. All right. Very cool, man. So, 
like what are you doing right now to promote yourself like to get your name out there to other clubs or shows and stuff like that like you know i think that uh i find it really like hard to put that on a comedian to be able to do that as well like yeah. if you have a good management good agency uh you have deals with networks and stuff like that i feel like it's kind of there um, agenda to be able to, you know, send me somewhere and promote it. Okay. You know, I was like, I, I think it's kind of weird that you put everything on a comic. Like, uh, social media is not my thing. Like, I don't really tweet a lot. <laughs> um, you know, and then you got all these other people going viral and stuff like that. I yeah. can't do eight minutes of stand up. So I think, like, you got to, like, you got to put walls on that. So for me, uh, the only way that I personally can get more people to come to my shows is by doing a show, killing it, and telling people to come back. Okay. That's, that's really all I can do because, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's basically you just use your strong point and try to get fans off of that. Um, but you know, I mean, promoting yourself. I mean, I just do the shows and tell people to come back. And you know, I think that's other people's job to get you people that have you on their roster and they're booking you other places. It's kind of kind of their job to promote you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. You mentioned like having representation in networks promote you and stuff like that. So when should a comic start looking for representation? Um, well, if you're from the Bay Area, you should already be past at the punchline and working the majority of the clubs. Okay. I think that uh, the first thing you want to do is get past in your local city, town, you know, yeah. doing well. And uh, for those those who are listening that don't know what past means, uh, what, what, what does that terminology mean? Uh, yeah, so you want to be a uh, working comedian. So okay. there's, there's other, like, roosters now, you have to win the competition to be passed. Punchline, you have to come every Sunday for about eight months or some shit like that, and you got to go on stage and do well. Um, you want to you want to get through those hurdles before you uh, start booking showcases in LA, and hopefully somebody will see you and um, recommend you. Like it's 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 you don't really want to actively look for management; they'll come to you. Okay, my, you know you want to get you want to get good over here, and then go. Uh, you get your opportunities if you're really if you're killing it. Someone will see you here. Recommend you, or you could go to LA, just climb that uh, ladder, and then you get those big showcases where people are already over there. They'll see you and they like you because, um, I mean, that's the easiest way to do. It's hard to sell yourself unless you've already gone viral. You can't just be like, here's my eight minute set. Let me sign with you, ICM. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? I don't even. What yeah, is this? yeah. The... Um, so the best way to get signed is be really good, uh, get booked in LA, and then. Do a couple of industry shows here and there, and hopefully somebody's there to watch you. If you're good enough, they'll only have to see you once. So is there a certain cap of how far you can go here in San Francisco in the Bay Area, and you have to go? Basically, if you want to make it, you have to go to L.A. And um, then, or New York? Well, I mean, L.A. and New York are places, well, there's actually a, a, a lower cap on getting good in L.A. and New York than okay. in the Bay Area. Like, step one is getting extremely good. So when you go to LA and New York and you're on a show with 10 comics, you, you got to bury them in front of these people, right? Yeah. So Bay Area is the way to get really good. But the cap is endless. I mean, I, I'm in the Bay Area majority of the time. I just do my showcase in LA. If you nail those, you get your representation, you get your deals. And after that, it doesn't matter where you are. Half the comics in LA are not even in LA. The people that move to LA, like even the, most of the celebrities I headline, uh, clubs nationally, uh, are not yeah. in LA more than five, six days uh, a month. You know, okay. so, you know, you just have to get good enough to get to L.A., do those two showcases and nail it out. All right. Very cool, man. So. But there's um, no ceiling, you know. OK, no, no ceiling. That's a, just you got to you got to get the exposure in the L.A. Well, yeah, to... I mean, CAA and Gersh isn't watching the show at Cobbs tonight, you know. Yeah. 
But I if you're not you. doing good at the cop show tonight, then really, why are you even trying to get to LA? You know. So Fair nail enough. your territory and then move on. Yeah. All right, cool, man, cool. So now, next question is: Do you have a highlight or two that uh, you want to share? It's not necessarily the highlight of your career. What's a highlight or two that you know when you're sitting around with your friends, you're talking about, dude? You won't believe this just happened. Yeah, yeah, just like a fun story. Like yeah. I remember one time I was headlining. Uh, I was I was closing out the Sunday Punchline show three years ago, and I went on stage for like three and a half minutes. I think it was like three and a half minutes at the okay. end. I was supposed to do like eight. And then Bo Burr showed up. And I immediately got the light three and a half minutes into my set. And I couldn't <laughs> understand what the fuck was going on. Like I was like uh, looking at the light like, oh, no, I still got time. And then they like they took the the light and just like shined it on Burr, Bill Burr. I was like, oh, shit. All right. <laughs> I Good night, you. everybody. So you got you got. So I got stopped. I got lost my last three minutes, but it was fun watching him because he's one of the funniest comics in the world. Um, that was actually a kind of a fun highlight. Um, other than that, man, I think the first time I met uh, Gabriel Iglesias, uh, okay. that was a huge highlight. I do a, a set and audition for a show, and immediately just came up to me. You know, no, send a clip. No, let's see you later. Oh, give me your number. Here's the date. We're taping for Comedy Central this month. You're ready to go. That's awesome. Yeah, dude. he was that... like, dude, here it is. Congratulations. So that was a big highlight, too. That was and, you know, fun. that's refreshing as well, too, because you hear so much of the, yeah, 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 we'll set something up. We'll set something up, uh, something like that in the future. Get a hold of me. But to have him come up to you, so, like, that's the guy I want. I want him on my show. Yeah, We're cool. doing this. You get here. And uh, we'll make we'll make TV. Yeah, it's great. You know, after the show, you get to meet all these industry people. You get signed for management, signed just off that one set. So it's just like, you know, it's just that was that was you know that's how you do it. You just gotta get really good where you are, and then when you're ready to be seen, you gotta nail it. That's that's the easiest way to go, really. Yeah. So what what is uh what is um uh, what is he like? What is Fluffy like? Um, you know, I only spent like three evenings with him, but he's the nicest guy in the world. Just really cool to hang out with and very helpful very nice guy yeah very cool did he give you any great advice um i think he told me to look in the camera (laughs) (laughs) because i'm add is like shit so when i'm on stage i'm like moving all around so it's like just focus on the main camera and uh i went up there and then actually to be honest i think i had to re-record my set the next day because I literally was not looking at the camera. I was like hopping up and down the stage. That's actually, that's funny. That's actually true. So like I did my first set over at Ontario Improv and there was this main camera and two other cameras. And I was like going in between the cameras. So it was like one, two, three. And I was going right, left, just talking to the audience like it was a regular comedy show. Right when I got off stage, they're like, dude, we got to record this shit. We have nothing on you looking anywhere near the camera it just looks like you're looking dead on the ground i was like shit i don't know that i was like yeah so it's interesting it's interesting you do have to change who you're you're not performing to the crowd necessarily well yeah in a show but you're performing to the camera but you still got to interact with the crowd well but. not only it's not only so much about the cameras it's like it's just like you have to like acknowledge that they're there you have to look in the direction so they have your face you know? yeah if you're looking down the whole time just like what the fuck is this? you're like this is kabir singh's yeah back of his head every other <laughs> normal person that have done three seasons of that show understood what he was talking about except for me i was the only <laughs> idiot literally looking at the gaps of every camera but that was kind of memorable that was fun he's like oh, that's a new guy <laughs> all right man so i actually just have a couple more questions left sure. for you here um then we'll then we'll wrap this up but when somebody comes and sees kabir singh on stage all right 
when they when they come see you perform your comedy, what do you want them to remember about your set and take away? Um, hopefully they'll take away a couple uh, jokes that I uh, gave them <laughs> that they'll repeat <laughs> with their friends. You know, okay, that's yeah. always a good compliment when they come up and uh, tell their friends the next day. Um, but overall, I just want them to have a really good time and just enjoy themselves. You know, forget about the problems and just kind of like enjoy themselves for about 40 minutes, you know, because okay. I don't really do edgy material or anything. I just try to make sure everybody's just having a good time. Yeah. All right. Very cool, man. Very cool. So you're going to wrap this up in just about 30 minutes total. So we'll get you to stage in plenty oh, of time. Man. Thank so, you. all right, Kabir, it's time for the final question of the show. The title question of the show, Kabir Singh, how do you live uncontained? I think that, uh, you know, if you love something that you do, you kind of ignore people's opinion. I, I, I was very lucky. My parents were actually really um, for me. Like, when I told them I wanted to do stand-up comedy after college, they were super about it. Okay. Um, also, like, I was always making my friends laugh during high school and uh, junior high. So, I never really had a lot of my friends or peers come up to me and be like, is this a good idea? Should you be doing other options? So, I never really had to, you know, climb that herd. Okay. L- uh, lucky for, luckily for me. With the parents and friends. Um, but, you know, you just, if this is what you love to do, you know, the up and downs are, they're up and down. It's very difficult. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you're trying to stand out in front of a thousand other people that are doing the same job that are as good as you, uh, if not somewhat better and have better nights than you. And it's all very difficult to judge on a Monday through Friday. You don't know what your set was yesterday. Yeah. This is when they see you. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, you just got to really love it. Um, you got to be good at it, though, because there's a lot of comics out there that, you know, they've, they've done nothing for like five, six years and they still just love doing it. But they're also neglecting a lot of like, I don't want to name names, but I've had comics that, you know, have families and stuff that are, you know, been doing comedy for like four or five years that will open for me and stuff like that. Yeah. And they'll be neglecting them. And still they like in their head, they think they're, you know. But they're not improving. You know, they're like the same person three years ago. Yeah. And it's tough to be like, dude, you should probably just do this as a hobby and take care of your shit. Um, so there's two ways to like approach that. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, like you have to be real with yourself. You know, if you're doing stand up year one, <clears throat> tape your set, see how well you do. You know, take a look at it two, three. Are you improving? Are you getting more work? Or are you still on the same level as year one? Yeah. Now you're on year six. Are you still on the level of year two? I mean, to really judge a good comedian or a good career, like, you got to look at it and be like, if you're, if like, when I was on year two of stand-up comedy, I was already winning competitions that comedians were winning four or five years into. Okay. So, you know, like, you want to be like, I'm in year two, but I'm doing shit people are doing in year four and five. But if you're in year five and six, and you're still doing shit that people are doing in year one or two, two, three, four, then you, you just got to take the, you got to take the signs. And just be like, all right, well, I have to do other shit, but keep it as a hobby, you know? Yeah. Especially if you have other people depending on you, like as a job, you know? Like if you're 22, you don't give a fuck for five years. Mm-hmm. Do whatever the fuck you want. But you know, if you got kids and family and you're just like, oh, I like this hobby. I killed it five times. Let's take this for three years. Let's go pro. And you're doing the same <laughs> shit for three years. And, you know, people are still treating you like you're a three-year com- uh, one-year comic. Yeah. You got to be smart about it like any other business, man. If you're in like a stock industry and you're losing every stock, you kill it for year one or two right? <laughs> and you blow it for four years after that, you're like, well, maybe those year one and two was a fluke. Maybe it's time yes, you know, yes, definitely. to sell insurance. Definitely. You probably, probably won't keep your clients you know, very long that way. You just got to <laughs> look at it like, is it a hobby or a business? You know? Yeah. 
Definitely, man. Definitely. And I'm, it's good to hear that your parents supported you because one of your jokes, you're like talking about my parents always loved Halloween because that yeah. was the one day that they could say that I was a doctor. But it's good, to hear, it's good to hear that, uh, you know, they were actually supportive of your choice to go after uh, stand-up comedy in this career. They were cool because they saw the results. They saw me eight times in a row. This guy's fucking murdering it. This is the only thing he's good at. <laughs> We've seen his grades. <laughs> the guy can't spell science. Let's let him do what he's good at, you know? Yeah, exactly. But if I sucked, they would have told me, like, what the fuck you <laughs> Get off the stage. <laughs> have fun on the weekends. Go back to college. But, you know, it just it just depends your level and how much you want to take this serious. Sacrifice sacrificing a lot. Yeah. I mean, just the last four or five years of just touring nonstop. And, I mean, I've messed some of my best friends' weddings. I've messed um, everything. i miss a lot of shit, you know? So, you know, you got to, you know, even family events. I mean, you're not, you can't, if you're booked March 22nd yeah, and it's a family reunion on March 21st, you can't go March 21st. And it happens repeatedly throughout the year. And it's weird how dates like that also show up. Like, it's like, you have like eight up, up like important shows on a month and it's just like, and they're all here's your cousin's wedding, here's your sister's <laughs> wedding, and here's your dad's birthday. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like, what the fuck? Like, what about I'll, Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. I'll tell uh, you a joke. I'll tell you a joke on stage, geez. but I'm just thinking of you. <laughs> yeah. A lot of sacrifices, but a lot of fun. Right on, man. Well, dude, I've really had a good time talking to you. I appreciate you taking the time out of uh, your night to sit here and have a conversation with me and my audience. And uh, I have one final thing for you to do, Kabir. Oh, yes, of course. Will you do me the honor of signing off the show tonight? Well, uh, I had a great time with you. I want to thank everybody. Thank you, uh, happy holidays for everybody. Hope everybody had a great Christmas and happy New Year's. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, this is a great podcast and everything's great, man. I really appreciate you having me. I'm comedian Kabir Singh. I'll hopefully be at a town near you. And uh, that's it, man. My name is Kabir Singh and I live uncontained, baby. That's the only way to live. Thank you for listening, and thank you once again to Kabir Singh for joining me and uh, meeting up with me before we went on stage at Cobb's Comedy Club. And thank you to Cobb's for letting me uh, set up and uh, record my interview there on location. And it's always fun when I can do interviews in person. But I'm excited for early 2019. I got some great shows coming your way. And uh, that's all lined up. If you want to support the show, please, please, I, I invite you to. Uh, you like that little cheesy invite? Yeah, it's, it's sincere, though. You can support me on Patreon or through my website and the Amazon banner at the top of the page. Got some cool stuff coming your way this year. Thank you once again for listening. And until next time, live uncontained.